0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Fart Fetish podcast. We have another special episode today because we do have a guest with us. Xander connected with me from FetLife and was interested in coming on the podcast and, and I really thank him for being here. So Xander, welcome and, and thank you for being here. Thank you for inviting me on. It's really good to be here. Let, let's start generally, uh, let's, let's let people get to know um, who you are and what you're into. So uh, so why don't you start with that?
1: I go by Xander. Xander S, or any kind of Xander, that is. Um, I'm mostly known for being a YouTube actor, doing voiceovers and all that, but when it comes down to the Farfetch community, I tend to be very quiet and also reserved. And sometimes I honestly... It depends on the day or time. I tend to not know what to say. And also, a uh, fair warning for audiences, <laughs> um, I am mildly autistic and have some uh, mental health problems, but that makes this all the more challenging to talk about and also all the more interesting because you'll get to see it from a different perspective.
0: Absolutely. I think that's, that's one, of the, one of the best things of, of uh, I've found doing this podcast so far is opening up to, to different perspectives. How would you like define the, the fart fetish for yourself? Or what, what, is it, what does it look like to you? For me, it's one of those
1: grounds where like you know you want to talk about it but not that many people are kind of aware of it and for me it feels like it is shunnable or gets shunned because of how people take it and i've always seen it done in a comedic light and for me it should be like that it should be more of a a comfortable conversation that someone should be able to talk about and as well be able to communicate with However, the thing I will say is that for me, it is very, a very delightful thing, and I really, really wish some people would open up more and that I want to open up their eyes, hopefully, too, as well.
0: Interesting. I don't want to pry, but could you talk more about that? Because I've never actually heard that from anyone. Who would you see as someone you'd want to uh, discuss this with? For me, it would mostly be maybe like...
1: A potential person in a relationship or for going to a relationship with, maybe. I mean, I am bisexual, so whether it's male or female, it's, it doesn't matter. But it's, for me, it's very challenging to talk about because once I, um, I had a friend I talked to about it when I was younger, and this person I had known for a while, and they kind of just, as soon as they heard it, just kind of laugh in my face and say, Yeah, that's kind of weird. And I'm like, Wow, that, that's harsh, you know?
0: For sure. For sure. Yeah. It would be nice because, because there is a, I think, uh, um, a certain expectation uh, to, to talk about aspects of sex. So when, when the, when the sexual activities you enjoy are uh, perceived by the, by the, you know, the culture as abnormal, it, you, you kind of find yourself in uh, in a no man's land of like, well, where do I go to get support? And, and the unfortunate thing too is There's not a lot of real conversation happening, uh, at least in my opinion, where I've seen in the fetish community. There's really not a sense of mental health gathering and and making people feel like they're less abnormal, making people feel less alone.
1: Yeah, it makes us feel, or anyone in general, feel very alienated, like they're from another planet and there's no one to turn to about it. I mean, when you have like a certain... Like feeling that you can't even share with anyone in general, not just, oh, not just friends or anything like that, but even people that you consider to be, you know, who you're supposed to talk to, like in the mental health, I talk to a therapist. I don't even share that about it. So it feels like, like that I'm kind of shunned if I ever, ever did. And if I don't, then I'm kind of locked up in a box trying to figure out what I'm saying.
0: For sure. For sure. Yeah. I don't think I've ever, I, I've had two significant therapists over my life and I don't think I've actually ever explicitly brought it up to either one. I, th- I think I definitely mentioned uh, face sitting to one of my, uh, early like high school, uh, therapists or, or therapist I had in high school, not at the high school. Um, and then one I had more recently, I think I just vaguely said I had a fetish. Um, and it really didn't matter to him. Thankfully it, it didn't really, I, I don't think, I mean, I'm sure the fetish has some some impact on on my own mental health. I'm sure all most fetishes in some way, Pro- probably even fetishes outside of the the fart fetish. But there is a is a discomfort there in in wanting to bring it up. I will say, after I did the uh, Ask Ezra podcast, I found myself much more willing to to say e- even saying the word fart was was difficult for me in any kind of public setting. And I've found talking about it, you know, once with, with, you know, on a podcast and and a podcast of a friend of mine, um, it's become easier. So I don't, I don't know if that would be the same for you, but it definitely takes time. Like I didn't, I didn't even get into the kink community, um, you know, the public community until I was in my thirties. So it definitely, it definitely takes time to get comfortable how would you, you you mentioned being uh you mentioned having having bisexual tendencies um is that towards the fire fetish and then what is what is like a, a fantasy look like for you on either side whether it be with men or, or, or women
1: with the bisexual nature in general before I get on to that is that um it either goes like well for me it depends on who the person is really because when I'm talking to um for example a man they they have to for me, my standard is... I don't really have a standard, but for me, a standard would be that they at least would be, you know, understanding of who I am. Well, on both sides, anyway, in that for men, that they would be very handsome and very kind, and for women, that they would have, you know, a great heart and be understanding of me, and, of course, kind of a pun here, no, 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 no pun intended, but great assets. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, but for me... A particular fantasy I've had, um well for men it was more like having uh, have me go over and play games with them and then suddenly it's like I'm the chair <laughs> or my face is the chair more accurately is what I was thinking about.
0: Sure. I, I was just gonna I was just gonna say it sounds like um uh your your kind of scenario, your enjoyment is is more of a um a lighthearted, like fun experience. Like uh, either either as a game or or that kind of um scenarios, is that is that would would that be accurate? Yes, I
1: mean there could be more what do you call it, um more dominant sides too, which I think for more it goes more for because like for men it's more of a let's have fun, hang out kind of thing, because for men it's usually like this I guess they see it as like joking stuff, you know? I'm not really sure how that works. I'm I'm very new well not very new, but I'm new to this Fetlight community and all that and I'm new to uh, kink conversations but i will say i've known about fetish for quite a while and when it comes to women if they're more dominant then i guess you could say that I get like either i don't really know we're like maybe tied to the bed or something i think that's how it would go i mean again very new very experimental things i'm talking about so i really don't know
0: Sure. Sure. I mean, that, that's, that's fine. I mean, you know, I, I there's no judgment here on, on the way you want to do your fantasy for sure. And I don't, I don't think anyone else would uh, either because it is, it is very personal. Like sometimes when I, you know, cause I, I'm into very hard, uh, domination scenarios. So, uh, I often feel judged or, or, um, I don't know if pariah is a, a pariah is a correct word, but like, I feel a little disassociated from my own fetish because I, uh, you know, I don't like kind of the, what, what I call the girlfriend experience of the farting of just like, oh, you know, my girlfriend's farting around the house, that kind of video or scenario. Um, I tend to see a lot and the domination content tends to be, uh, you know, some of it's good and some of it is hit or miss domination. The problem with domination is it requires acting. You know, if you're not naturally a dominant person or, or, or that kind of, uh, that has that kind of personality, you have to fake it and it doesn't always come off well if it's being, uh, if it's unnatural, I suppose. You mentioned having this fetish as far as you knew for a while. Do you, do you have any idea when and why these, uh, these, um, ideas or fantasies started for you? It's not really the case
1: of when it's more the case of or like how to talk about when it's more of, should I talk about when? because like. For a lot of people, there is a, I guess, an age cutoff limit of where you're supposed to talk about it. Like, you need to be, like, over age or something, you know what I mean? For me, it's more of a how about this? I was in my teens, I'll say, and I don't think I'm supposed to talk about that, or I'm not even sure how that works when you're talking about it.
0: I mean, that's okay, because I was in my early, not to interrupt you, but I was in my early childhood when I, when I first had uh, fantasies and ideas, so, so I, I wouldn't worry about it.
1: Oh okay, I gotcha. Thank you. That is very encouraging. Yeah. yeah,
0: of course. So,
1: believe it or not, when I was um, I was in my teen years or preteen, teen years, and I discovered completely by accident. Of course, it was one of those adult websites, you know, as I like to call it. I kind of discovered it completely by accident because, honestly, I grew up kind of introverted, kind of being that person who lives in a bubble, and it's mostly due to the mental. Illnesses and autism. Uh, I had someone who was, I'll just say my life, who was not very supportive, so, and also they just didn't want to have the, you know, quote unquote talk with me about what, um, you know, what sex is or what masturbation is in general. So I didn't find out until, like, the day I had my, like, uh, first, I could say, erection that it happened, and it was kind of an embarrassing moment because I was in middle school and gym class and i had no idea what the heck was going on i just remember like the gym teacher thought it was funny because he I, I had he had no idea why i was you know, freaking out i'm like what is this what's going on he said have you never heard of this before i'm like no and he says you know do not you live with your you know with your dad i'm like you mean my mom and he just has this look like oh okay why don't you ask your your mother then so i talk to her and she just doesn't say anything uh, she just kind of tells me to quote unquote figure it out. And with my uh, autism, it's more like I have to be told about something to do it. So I looked it up, what it meant. And that's how I kind of discovered the adult websites and how it happened. And that goes into the rabbit hole of, as I call it, finding the fart fetish and face community. Because I was like, at first, oh, face that sounds fun. And that sounds interesting to watch. And I really liked that side. And then we heard about the Farfetch, I'm like, wait, this is a thing? Because I wasn't sure about it then, and that's when I kind of, you know, became interested and looked into it.
0: Interesting. I wonder, uh, because I do hear um people's people's uh anecdotes about falling into the fetish basically due to a- adult content exposure. I'm wondering if that's gonna, if that's a, it's a more common experience than uh than I first imagined, because, you know, having been essentially born with it, I, I didn't quite understand that. But the way you say that, that makes a lot of sense. I, I think there is, um, it, it is difficult for parents to have some of those hard, com- not, not an excuse, but like, it is a hard conversation to start talking about sex and sexual things. But that doesn't like, it, it's an abdication of a responsibility towards uh healthy sexual connection, se- sexual health in general. But uh, but I mean you 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 don't seem uh you don't seem messed up for it you know I I guess as I, as it were you know you seem like you've you've come out on the other side um a uh, a, a rounded a rounded person so so I, I I'm I'm glad for that.
1: Thank you. For me, it's more of a um, for me, it's kind of hit or miss because sometimes I will be very confident and rounded, but then on the other end, I will probably have those days where. I feel like the world is falling apart because for me, my um, autism makes me feel like if it's something as, <clears throat> sorry, as little as, if I do something like if I drop a glass or if I drop a plate and it shatters, even if it's Corel, not shattered you know, it doesn't shatter and then it does, I'll treat it like it's the end of the world and I'll just start freaking out. And um, there are days where that happens, days where not, because... On the other end, just with also the autism, you also have the bipolar, too, which is like a whoa moment for me, you know? Because I'll either be very happy or I'll be very depressed, and it really is hit or miss depending on the scenario, you know? And when I realized, and I'm not trying to turn this into a whole big, um, you know, me conversation, I want to give you a chance to talk, you know, too, because... No, please, this is this is about you, so don't worry about it. Oh, thank you. Well, at the end of the day, for me, it's... It really depends on like what the day is. I'll either be very happy or very not. And I will seem well rounded sometimes. I'll be honest, for the past few hours I was trying to even though I woke up a little late, trying to work up the courage to be here and to see that you know, you're a very a very good person, like my individual who knows more about it. That's really really awesome, you know?
0: I, I appreciate it. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know how much I know, but, but I, I, am, I am happy to try to make more fetishes feel welcome because I, I you know, I started making content back in the day because I'm just like, I, you know, something's missing. I, I want to provide this or, or, or try to fill this gap. Um, so it, it's kind of the same with this podcast and, and uh, like a proctophilia.org. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm trying to start a, uh, a, a discord of, of more serious people. I haven't invited anyone yet. Um, so I'm just trying to figure out what's the best way to uh, build this community of, of people who w- want to take this fetish a little more seriously. Like, I, I, you know, I think there has to be some humor in it. I think that's the only way normal people will come to some kind of terms with this, at least at this early stage. But I do want people to you know I'd love people to gather and and have conversations like this where it's not just like you know have you seen this porn model? have you seen this video? have you read this story um that's that was really my my impetus for doing this jumping back to the uh to the the fetish itself um do do you have anything that is like tied to it or related to it like it, it must be present for you to to enjoy it uh, sometimes
1: it just depends. Like, sometimes I have the fantasy in my head, and it really gets me going. But whenever I do try to be in a sexual setting, it's kind of challenging to talk about. Because for me, it's like, for me, I just get really embarrassed when I'm there. And then I keep thinking, you know, why isn't this working? Why isn't this, you know, why isn't this connecting like it should? It feels like an erectile dysfunction, except you need the fetish to go on. Or you can't really do anything. So for me, the fetish is very much tied into it. I have quite a few fetish and kinks, but this one is the most important to me, it feels like, because this is the one I want to help bring awareness of and build up, like you said, more of a community for. And that's what I'm hoping to achieve, too, because I'm just kind of sad that I'm still in the um, you know, closet, as it were,
0: with this for sure I, I think that's I think that's a majority um unfortunately I I mean I share people's um sentiment I, I was talking to somebody on uh, the Gassy Erotica forum and they mentioned you know I think they are also in media surprisingly I wonder how many of us are actually in media uh, acting and whatever um, cuz it seems like a, a, a more than more than I would expect but they had mentioned you know they they worked hard they don't want to lose what they'd achieved by you know essentially coming out, you know, I think for some people they they look at it as I, I'm going to come out as gay, you know, and and you know there should be no stigma behind that either. But I think that's the way the public perceives it. If I'm if I don't follow the norm, if I'm not you know following the Joneses and and you know robotically doing what everyone else is doing, and if I break away from that paradigm, um, then I'm going to be shunned, and that that's an unfortunate way to live. I, I think it's, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's a really negative aspect of human nature. Maybe just, maybe it's just this country. I'm not sure. I I've only lived here, but like, there's definitely a sense that you don't, um, if you're not just having like regular, what people consider regular sex, then they don't want to hear about it. And I don't know if that's a, maybe that's a, that's a personal perception. Maybe that's just an, a fear within us. I mean, again, not everyone's going to understand but maybe people will be more receptive than, than we believe. Like I, I did tell a friend of mine a long time ago and I kind of regretted it, but like he didn't stop being my friend or, or doing anything like, actually even recently I thought he'd forgotten, but he actually brought it up in a, in a, in a joking context. And not, I, don't, I wouldn't say it was a mean way. He was trying to encourage me to do something and he's like, you know, if you don't do it, you should uh, give money to uh, anti-gay, anti-trans, anti-fart politician. I'm like thinking, what What the hell is that? Who's going to come out like that? But anyways, the point was, I thought it was interesting that he actually recalled, which embarrassed me for a moment when I was listening to him on the phone. And then I'm like, eh, you know, I mean, he still wants to be my friend. So, I mean, he, he he's not giving any indication that, you know, it's over. We're not, you like farts, we're done. Um, so I really appreciated that and I, I wonder if if um, if that is the norm I often told people that uh, and, and I think it's true I didn't just like say this but I think if you're in a if you're in a relationship where um, and, and whether it be friendship or, or girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever I think if that person is really uh, truly connected with you really 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 um, it, it's, a, it's a real connection, and people are really uh, sharing themselves and feeling emotions. I have to imagine they would be receptive to at least listening and, and being respectful towards your, your fetish inclinations, uh, whoever you are, I imagine. Uh, that, that's my hope. That's been my experience with the—I haven't had many girlfriends, but the two girlfriends I've had, um, I told them both. Uh, one of them, the the more most recent one, uh, actually did did videos with me. So, um even though she hate it, she hate she hates it. She doesn't like farting in general, like in life. um but she she did it for me. And she actually she is a dominant person. like she she's been a a dominatrix, as it were. so she it wasn't like she was faking the um attitude. But she certainly was uh, not like engaged with the farting aspect. But she did a good job. Like those those videos, I, I enjoy. I think other people enjoy them as well. But the 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 point was, yeah, I think people can be receptive.
1: Yeah, they, they can be. I believe. And is this more of a how well you know them, or how well they know you, or even a if they're willing to discuss it? And my fear, honestly which I think might be the fear for many people with a far fetish, is that, you know, if I am in a relationship and then I say, hey, I like this, then suddenly it's like, they'll just have that moment of, oh, and then next minute later, whether you're like, like casually dating, like all up here and there, the phone calls stop, and you don't know why or something that's personally what I think about when I talk about it. Yeah, but I do have a question for you if you don't mind me asking. Of course, yeah. I guess one of the first questions I want to ask is, um, well, when did you um start writing? You know, because like I've been honestly a fan of your stories for a long time. That's kind of one of the things I didn't want to mention just yet because, like, you know, I felt like that'd be kind of a, you know, weird thing to bring. up, At least for me, because like, you know, you talk about this subject and then you. You know, you talk to this creator who you know is, or at least you feel is very good and likes his work, or at least you know. And then you talk to them, and they feel, oh well, this person's a fan. I don't know how to feel about that in like the first you know conversation you have. You know what I
0: mean? Uh, absolutely, but but I wouldn't. I uh, like I'm I'm not like that. I suppose. Like I um I I'm thank you first of all. Uh, because yeah, I I don't um. I guess I don't have a longer response to that. Like, yeah, I I don't really. Uh, it, it definitely. I wouldn't like be like, oh, this this fanboy is all over me. Like, no, no. I I honestly, especially since I don't get much uh, love in my you know vanilla acting career, whether it you know filmmaking, whatever. I've always been very appreciative of people who who like my fetish work. That's one of the only areas where. Um, I feel seen and, and appreciated. So so no, I, I actually uh appreciate you saying that. Of course. I um, and I'll be honest with you, like when I remember when I said a little bit
1: ago that like you discover I discovered it when I was like into my preteen to teen years and all that? Uh-huh. Well, after I saw the videos I decided, hey, why don't I just see if there's any stories about it? And I'm not kidding you, like the minute I typed it in, I think your website popped up first and that's what kind of solidified this is a thing so honestly this kind of sounds great, but it's kind of like a personal connection to this was the first kind of batch of stories i've read and also you're like i have to say you are very creative and i really enjoy like your perspective on stories the detail attention to detail is amazing as a fan i really do enjoy it and sometimes i feel like a critic sometimes as of late because i do reviews of movies on youtube but for me like they're honestly like 9 out of 10 almost every time I and mean, there's sure there's some that I'm like I mean, once or twice I said okay this is an interesting idea but it still was written and done very wonderfully
0: I I mean that that I I appreciate that like I I definitely I definitely felt something writing uh all those stories for sure that's that's pretty much why I don't write now because um after all this time the the that kind of fire has has diminished I've even started to write a story or two um, over the years. And it's just like, I, I don't know, I feel like I've tread this ground already. And that's, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing to do it again. I'm sure, you know, prolific writer Stephen King is you know probably written the same themes multiple times. Um, and I don't think it's a bad thing. He's a very, very famous writer, very successful writer. It just didn't, like, I, I, my work tends to follow my passion so when I'm, I'm less passionate about something, I tend to be like, uh, it, it feels forced and I, I can't do forced. Like if it's not, if it's not natural, I can't like make myself like sit down and write this, like, let's plot this out. Like we're going to make this happen. And I just feel like the love wouldn't be there if, if that was the case.
1: Yeah, there's a definite feeling or a definite um, difference between when something is forced, and when something is natural for me, like, like I said, I have a very keen observational eye of things. Well, I don't think I mentioned that part, but I, I do like to observe things. From what I observe, when somebody is you know forcing their material, it doesn't feel the same as when you know, you're know first reading it. For example, I don't know if, like like I said, Stephen King, I don't know if he, because of the themes, ever feels forced to, but you can kind of tell when, like in one of his books, for example, I like the book It, which, for how big of a book that is, wow, but... I really like the story and the detail. But then you have something later, for example, and I'm not even sure if that's the case. I'm just giving you an example here, like maybe Under the Dome or something. You can see where it kind of gets forced because if you don't have the fire to do that and it diminishes, the love isn't there, like you said. I mean, for six months, I've not been on YouTube and my first video in a while, even though know, I acted my heart out, I felt like I kind of forced it versus the one I did next where I felt more natural. I can even see that difference in my acting that there's a very different thing between that was forced and that wasn't, you know? So I really understand that.
0: For sure. Well and I think the problem with, with YouTube and, and in terms of force is the culture is so fierce in terms of YouTube. You you feel like if you're not releasing a video, you know, every on a consistent basis, whether it be every week or every month or whatever, that you're you kind of fall away as far as the public consciousness goes. So that is kind of a a bad um, or a, or a negative around the the YouTube creator culture. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but you mentioned uh, speaking of creativity, you mentioned uh, in your in your FetLife profile that you you like uh, making home movies. Is that would that be like fetish movies? And and like talk more about that. Oh, of course.
1: Uh, I will say before that, I do apologize if I ran it way too much before about the other subjects. I just really. I just felt like I wanted to explain more things and also talk to the creator I'm talking to right now more. You know what I mean? Like it's a half and half.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Don't, don't, no need to apologize at all. This is, this is, this, the podcast is what it is. I'm not, I have no, like, we got to talk about this and it can only be this long. Like I, I'm, I'm more just wanting to, to bring a conversation to, to people that'll listen. So, so don't, don't feel like you have a, like you have a script or anything to go off of. Just, just feel, feel free to, to say whatever's on your mind.
1: Oh, of course, um, but with the home movie thing, like you said, right when I was um eighteen or nineteen i was I had moved out of i was moved moving with another family member I've kind of had this problem where I've never truly lived on my own until about two years ago because um it's kind of a constant struggle for me to with mental health keep and hold jobs, and honestly, I don't even have a job now it's just I'm just kind of living through um, uh, funds from the people there the government. I lived through those funds. And it's like, OMG. But then in 2018, I just said to myself, do I want to um, do something? I said to myself, well, I probably won't have a career, so I might as well just go into this world and try to be like the uh, amateur porn star and porn-up kind of thing. And when I did that, the first two were forced, then it wasn't. And at the end of the day, I really enjoy doing those things. But again, I just, I I did that because I thought at first, well, if I do this, then it's because I've truly given up and have no career. But then later, and I started to enjoy it, I realized that there was kind of a risk I was taking because like I said, I'm on YouTube. The risk is that sometimes they could overlap and you could, you would never know If someone would recognize you or make fun of you or not, especially if you wanted to make those um, Farfinish home movies, you know, which I haven't done that yet, but I've always wanted to. And plus I set up another website, another place, another website saying this will be a backup in case I ever want to go back to it, you know, and home movies have been my thing, whether they were um, uh, YouTube related or not.
0: Nice. I feel like some of what you said, uh, related to, to my own thoughts on, uh, kind of creating porn in that way. Cause, cause yeah, I guess, I guess what I did could also be considered home movies in terms of fetish. Like they weren't like super produced. I meant them to try to, um, capture that, uh, dominant girlfriend at home type experience with my videos. But, but yeah, I shared that idea of, of like, you know, I'd, I'd done a- acting and film for a while and then I moved to Boston and I, you know, it's a different uh, world out there. There's not a really, compared to L.A., it's not a, a vibrant uh, creator community. Um, I thought any big city would, would be like that, but I was, I was incorrect. But yeah, I, I started making porn because, one, I, I wanted to do it. Also, it was just like, well, this is a way for me to stay in the creative space, but at the same time kind of give up. The other, the other part, like the the vanilla acting, I suppose, like it, it felt like a um, a compromise to be like, oh, I'm I guess I'm done with that side of my life. We're gonna do I'm, now. I'm gonna be a porn man. But honestly, I think uh, I, I I can't say this for a fact. I'm not a I'm not a successful creator or whatever in terms of the uh, the you know the vanilla, you know, whatever world. But I I really think that. If you can, if you can make yourself so valuable that it really doesn't matter what you do, and I'm not saying like like bar none you, know, you rape people or whatever. That none of that. I'm just saying like if you're, if what you enjoy is is an innocent thing, it's only you know harming or whatever. It's only affecting yourself. I really think people will be able to look past that if you're. You know, if, if you're somebody that people really want to work with, wow, he's really funny, he's really talented, he works really hard, what, maybe all three. But I, I really think that will rise above any kind of uh, embarrassing past or what have you. But I, I, do, I do hear you because it def, people can definitely, um, especially with the tools today, people can definitely find you. Like I, I did see a tool where it, it searches uh, thumbnails Uh, thumbnail images, and it even includes porn sites. And I I saw – it wasn't a compromising picture, but I saw one of my pictures from the thumbnails of a pornography, and I'm like, ah, it made that connection. Very interesting. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, The for me, the modern world, at least all I'm going to say is, and I want to ask you agree here, do you agree that the modern world has made a way of evolving to the point of where now we're accepting of certain things, not others – but we've also de-evolved to the point where we're still holding on to those um, bad traits. Or not bad, like, for example, like you said, people can find anything now. One of my favorite, um, for example, video game creators, he had to retire because he, he ended up having the whole uh, situation where they pulled up information that they shouldn't have seen kind of thing. And fearing for his life because they found his IP, too, he kind of had to retire. And that was a shame, because I'm like, I really loved his work, but at the same time, it's like, well, that series is not going anywhere. But the point is that we live in a world where we've evolved past the point of, you know, just yelling at people for random things, or just kind of saying, "Oh, ha, funny, you're in porn, uh oh, funny, you have this fetish. And now they're becoming more accepted. It's great. They've also de-evolved to the point of, you still have those people with the mindsets of, oh, well, this is stupid, this is silly. and. Uh, you're funny and also well, in the bad way. And also we're just going to take this information from you and kind of, you know, see how it goes for you later. Do you agree with what I'm saying here about the devolve thing?
0: Um, I mean, for sure. I mean, I, I don't, I wouldn't even necessarily call it a devolve. I think just hasn't, people haven't evolved in terms of like in, in that respect. Cause you're right. Things have become more acceptable. Uh, my example is usually foot fetish. Um, not that it's like widely accepted, but people are not as like, whoa, foot fetish. That's, that's so strange. Like it's coming up in media. It's coming up a lot more than it, I feel it used to. Um, so that was kind of my impetus too, to, to push for this, to, to try to be like, Hey, there's this other fetish too, guys. We're, we're here as well. Um, especially with all the media coverage, um, this gets sometimes the, the fetish, Um, with, with the, the, what was that TV star, um, selling her farts in jars. And and it, it does come up, uh, more than, more than you'd imagine when you like Google it. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's true. I I wish I had a better thing to, to response to that because it's, I mean, you're right. There are people out there with ill intentions. They just can't, they can't accept um something whether you know maybe they're unhappy and just don't want other people to be happy or they're just they're just a troll person you know it's 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 hard to say um what people's motivation is for for being cruel cuz cuz I mean yeah I grew and I, I you know thankfully I never had this but you know people getting swatted people there's all kinds of seriousness that people shouldn't have to deal with just for trying to have fun you know and playing a video game online um with friends it should just be like hey we're here together we're, we're having fun we're enjoying it um and and it's it's unfortunate that there are people there that want to shake that up they're basically waiting for uh, a drop of of humanity to show up so they can they can exploit it and they can poke it and that's i think i think the only thing we can do is is look beyond those people and and I, I want to forgive is the word that's coming to my mind, but that's not what I'm thinking of. Like we need to just like, I, I feel sorry for you. You exist, and and you're you're hurting me. But I, my guess is you are also hurting, and that's why you need to bring this on me. You need to spread this pain around.
1: Acknowledge. You mean acknowledge their feelings, but also not kind of forgive them either. You know. Does
0: that what you mean like acknowledge? Absolutely. Well, I acknowledge too, but I think people don't want, I think it's very hard to acknowledge and I'm not, I'm not giving people excuses. Like change is hard when you, when you come to ideas that you know, oh shit, I might, I might be a, I might be a piece of shit. I might not be the best person I can be. That, that takes a lot. You have to do the work then. You have to realize what's wrong, how to fix it, how to, how to go about it. And I think some people are like, no, I don't need to do that. It's their problem. It's the outside world that's wrong. Mental work is a lot of work. Like I, I never, thought myself you know as much as mental work as I've done from from my 20s to now I don't feel like I'm finished um I don't you know there's I don't think there is a finish I think we're always trying to to do better and and my my hope and my my inclination is to just try to gravitate towards people who um express the most humanity like if, if you can't see anyone like I, I can't think of anyone who who you know, deserves a dismissed humanity. Not everyone deserves praise, but um, every every one of us is a human being, and and has reasons and 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 ideas and inklings for what we do. Um, and some of those people need to be changed. Um, but all we can do is is hope they come to that point, because there's nothing we can do to make them get
1: there. I agree, and all I um all I have to. Do is we live in a world where everyone says that there has to be just. Black and white doesn't matter this is how it is or this is not. And while I, as I say, acknowledge and I hear, you know, the world around me, not everything needs to be in black and white. Because for a long time, I'm guessing, I don't know when exactly, but I'll say that there, it, there's supposed to be a gray area. For me, like, there's a gray area in everything. So sure, there's some subjects that are extremely black and white. For example, if you do something harmful or crime-like, but in stuff like um, day-to-day life, or relationships, or even heart fetish, uh, there's a gray area that we're supposed to be. But everyone's like taking one side or the other, saying, this is wrong or this is right, and you have to kind of deal with whatever you choose. And at the end of the day, for me, it's like, there is a gray area. It just depends on if you're looking to find it is all. I feel as if, like, with everything I've learned and done and said... We're just learning to be more wise ourselves. And for me, this is a blessing and a curse because, you know, I can see the world around me and I can see everything that goes on. But when you're looking at somebody, you know, who sees it in black and white, you don't know if you want to feel sorry for them or if you, you know, want to help them get to where, they're, where they want or I feel like they need to be.
0: Absolutely. No, That's that was a great insight because I think... Um... Even even in, in you know, doing this podcast, and, and you're seeing it over the years, but, but in, in actually having conversations, I, I'm getting perspective, but I'm hoping uh, people outside of the fetish can also gain some perspective that uh, a fart fetish is not, and I don't think any fetish is, is, it's not a monolith. There's not one type of fart fetish. And I think showing people that, one, that we, we are, you know, we're normal people that can have normal uh, conversations and that, that we, are, we have a wide variety of interests and different ways to take this fetish. Some people enjoy it just as like a, a fun and games type scenario. Some people, you know, prefer hard domination. And I'm sure there's a whole spectrum in between of, of people who kind of skirt both lines. So, yeah, I, I, your, your perspective here is, is, is great and appreciated. So, so thank you. Of course. You, another thing you mentioned in your uh in your profile is uh is a desire to be a live slave tell me tell me more about what that might look like for you how do you how do you picture that and, and is that something you've you've done before well honestly i've
1: honestly never done it as i've said i've only been in uh this like you know this area of of a fetish for BDSM fetish however you want to call it you know for about a few years i i'd say that i i joined I joined Fat Life before. The problem was that I dealt with a lot of people who either, you know, tried to be hackers or scammers, and I just kind of gave up on it for a while. But when I came back in uh, mid to late 2020, I said to myself, I'm going to give this another go. I will see how this goes, and it's gone a lot better. I've met a, met, met a lot of good people here. However, I've not really met anyone who is willing to, you know, take the reins and train me to do something or do these things and with that i've never done this before but for me it would look like you know i would kind of have those moments of i'd be like oh i'm doing good i'm i'm helping the best i can and then when they want to do more dominant stuff then i'd be there for that too uh but it just depends on it really for me just depends on like how it goes it's more of a i'll see how it goes kind of thing but Nobody so far has been willing to um, uh, train me for anything. And honestly, I think that's also a large part of it. Is where I live too. If I was in like the bigger, bigger areas, like like Seattle or Denver, where I came from, that'd be one thing, you know. But for me, when you I won't say exactly where, but when you live in the middle of nowhere, like in Wyoming, where I am, you tend to be very limited with a lot of things and people who are either not as like minded or people who kind of are stuck in ways of, this is just the weirdest thing I've ever seen, or, you know, we don't have time to, as they would probably say, I like heard it once, go out to Timbuktu to meet somebody who is just barely getting started, you know?
0: For sure. It's, I, I definitely share that uh, sentiment. It was it was a similar situation when I was in Boston. Again, surprisingly, I, I consider it a big city, but I guess it's not as big as I... Uh, I saw it from the outside, I suppose, but yes, it's uh, geography is an unfortunate problem in this fetish because it is so niche and so underground that um, finding finding potential partners can be very difficult. And then the the fact that FetLife it, it's a great site, but uh, you, I mean, you mentioned hackers and scammers; it's still it's still rife with that. All all people really can do is become more savvy and more aware of, of people who are scamming. But it's not like gone away. It's it's unfortunately still very much there. And and you know, some people, I mean, some people just do dom And you know, that itself could be a scam in terms of preying on someone emotionally. Like I'm not I'm not hating on Dom. I'm just like as someone who who has never been like, I, I don't, I'm not a person who gets off on, on that kind of I don't know what it is, but but giving up of my funds to someone else, I'm I'm not sure what um, those who enjoy Findom see in it. And uh, again, no no hate or or disrespect to them. Um, I just it's just the one I don't understand as much, and I think many people see those as scams sometimes.
1: Yeah, honestly, like for me, because I'm in, I'll be honest, I'm in such a vulnerable kind of if I may say state right now. Not like a state where I live, like a state of mind, you know. I'm so like sorry to go down another rabbit hole here. Um, no, no, please. So with my uh mindset and my state of mind, I've haven't been really the most as I call it luckiest person in terms of relationship or anything. I've only ever like had like four or five of them, and then one of the people I, I was the person I had sex with, but then you yeah, had the other times I had sex, which were. Honestly, me trying to fill the void of an emptiness, and that was just because I found a friend finder and all that, and I happened to see people who wanted to meet up, and and then when that happened, it was great. But then, well, one of them it was like, okay, I don't know why I went along with this. And the second time it was like, well, I pretty much ended up receiving a problem. Also receiving a problem here that kind of makes me feel more limited than I was before. Because, like, I was in such a depressed state of mind that I would literally do anything to find a connection. And believe me, that led me to getting my Google hacked. They finally left, like, last year when they, you know, was on there for three of them. And then you have the fact that there was a time I had to have a family member bail me out of paying rent because I ended up giving all my 500 of funds to this scammer and they had to bail me out of it. I was just so stuck in a... In a kind of um, state of, well, I really want to find that connection, but there's so many hackers and scammers, you'll never really know who's who. And at the end of the day, it's just like, I almost at one point gave up because my last hookup I went on kind of, well, nothing bad happened. It was more of a, I ended up receiving a, I will just say politely, parting gift that comes and goes as it pleases. And it makes me very limited with who I talk to now. It really upsets me, you know.
0: For sure, for sure.
1: And I know that's like too much inform. And for me, it's like too much information because like I just barely went on here, and I'm here. I'm ranting about half my life, and I know that sounds really weird, but like not weird. Weird for me because like I'm just ranting about all this stuff that you know normally you wouldn't do, like me first doctors someone on a podcast and all that.
0: I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about it. Like I I'll tell you um let me let me preface that saying I think one of the issues is this is this is such a difficult fetish and there are people willing to take advantage of that and and because because we as fetishists are are generally in a place of feeling lesser and not as worthy of, uh, you know, mainstream attention, you know, a girl we like, a guy we like, whatever. I I think it becomes so easy to, I guess, become a victim is the right word. It's so easy to get preyed upon because we're already coming from a place of vulnerability where we're trying to take a chance and, and reach out to people on something that's already, it already feels weird. It already feels like we're shunned. Um, even if we're doing it to ourselves because we haven't uh, engaged with other people, we're playing their own mental games of like, well, they're not going to like me. Why would they like me? This and that. This is too weird. And that's not necessarily what we're going to get out in the world. But there are definitely people that will take advantage of that vulnerability. And I think that's um, I think it's true of a, lot of a lot of fetishes. But I think it's especially unfortunate in this one because there is such a lack of, of community and gathering especially uh, in my, my conversation with Damien yesterday. We talked about, I think the sense of community is a bit stronger in, in, the, uh, in the gay community. And I think he alluded to the fact that you've already overcome such a great hurdle in terms of society because people are still looking down upon, upon homosexuality, gay people. So if you can be gay and be okay with it, having a fart fetish is probably smaller in comparison to the 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 large uh, i could just say obstacle again the large obstacle that is being homosexual in 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 a society where it's still still not looked at for as as free and as accepting as people have become it doesn't feel like it's normal yet it doesn't feel like uh, it's something you don't think about in terms of in terms of like it it still feels like it stands out a person being gay when it shouldn't it should really be something that the culture has has accepted by now it kind of just like it, it is what it is, but we're still fighting some of those battles and it's unfortunate that we we can't we can't even progress past that in terms of of where we are as a, you know what we consider a, a sexually free country you know
1: yeah, and especially one that kind of focuses way too much on the sexual aspects because i like, I can tell you i mean I, I had people. Like, friends in middle school, even, like, when I was younger, asking me, hey, have you had sex yet? I'm like, what? Like, that was usually not a common thing from what I've heard. But as times have progressed, we're kind of expected to be more sexually active at a younger age to the point where it's like, wow, that kind of shouldn't be like that or shouldn't be like that at all. Especially considering how, how morally wrong it is. But I agree with you. The homosexuality thing, for me even, it's like a struggle because you're constantly trying to get over that hurdle of acceptance but it's also still, like, like with mental health for a long time, cliches that are used over and over in media where mental health has not really become more approachable in media properly until, like, the 2010s, at least. Mid-to-late-2000s where did stuff like, you know, the Silver Lighting's Playbook, stuff like that. Because people were still stuck in the mindset of, well, maybe it's still like um, the Alfred Hitchcock film Psycho from 1960. Because that was the second time they used mental health in a film. I think the first was with Mice and Men. But even then, it, we're still kind of facing those cliches and stigmas of it. I mean, homosexuality, yes, it, it, it really is still joked about, in films at least. And I can only imagine with the far community how that will go when there's it, when more films or more anything about it, you know?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely, I didn't. I didn't know that about Psycho. Um, that was a that I, I for as much as film knowledge as I have, I did not know that was uh, uh, probably the second time they they put mental health on the screen like that.
1: Yeah, it was. It was done more for drama. And I'll be honest with you. When I was uh, like I said, I go to therapy, and when you hear about the whole oh, there's stigma for mental health people, my therapist told me in a group that there's statistics on, you know. It's like a 1 in 10 chance that somebody actually will do something like that, but because of the stigma, they think it's like 9 out of 10 of the people, and only one of them will probably be the most normal, quote-unquote. And this is kind of how I view the world, seeing, you know, homosexuality, heterosexuality, all that, and um, far-fetish, is that no matter how you look at it and spin it, you will always kind of see that reluctance to it. Like, I'll be honest, I think the only time I've Ever seen a joke about Far fetish in general, at least as a fetish in general, was in that movie Click with Adam Sandler, I believe it was, at least to me.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And that was a, not to, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but that was a, that was a weird, uh, that was a weirdly fetishistic scene in Click. Like it it made me uncomfortable because it was, it it almost appeared like a fetish scenario, but yeah, it was, uh, it was, uh, and they they definitely played it for humor. Like the people who aren't fetishists are definitely gonna be, you know, laughing at it, unless they didn't think it was funny or whatever. But it was for a normie, I think, humor, but it was weirdly fetishistic. Like almost like a scenario of like an employee getting even with a boss by, you know, viciously or whatever, farting in his face. But yeah, it was it was weird that they 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 did that. It was uh, I I wonder more about that. I wonder if there's a um, a more hidden uh, a hidden uh, reason why that scene was included like that.
1: Yeah, and pardon my um, chuckling for a moment. It's not because I was chuckling at the scenario. I was just chuckling at the fact that there's only very few you know scenarios in films that we've seen this. And I think that's because if we give it more time, will be more widely accepted. I guess, but. Like, when I heard about the whole um, therapy and world thing, just bring that up real quick again, is that, not to go on a tangent again, but the whole thing about it is that after films like Psycho of nineteen sixty, of Mice and Man, the earliest version in 1939 after the book, we, as they even say every day, therapy and mental health still isn't in its infancy, even though it's been around for years. We didn't discover any brain studies or medications till the 1950s and the 60s, and they consider this still in our infancy of it, so, depending on when, uh, you know, Fart Fetish was first discovered, I guess, or made more social, I guess you could say, you know? Is that the word?
0: Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. That's a good And that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, we we're still in the infancy of it. Yeah, I didn't even, I didn't even think about that. I mean, I, I knew Fart Fetish. Uh, I mean, I think it depends on what discovery means. Because, like, I, I, that case study that's on Fart Fetish, that seems like the only discovery, as it were, like, obviously, fart fetish has existed for a long time. But is something discovered when it's discovered by, you know, clinicians, doctors, I'm not sure uh, where that where that line is. But but for sure, I, I, I hear you on the uh, on the fact that mental health is still in its infancy and, and trying to figure out what's the best way to help each individual patient, because I think there's an idea like, oh, it, it's kind of like, personal training at the gym like there's not a lot of personal to it it's kind of there's one method this is the way we do it um and and it's kind of and that's not the way mental health is i don't think that's the way personal training is either i'm not an exercise guy but like i think there's methods to each patient and i think that's that's probably what is psych like i'm my guess i'm not a psychologist but that's probably what psychology is coming to terms with is how do we best treat the whole person and the individual rather than a, a monolith of, of these are people. This is how we treat them.
1: Yeah, and um, for me, it's like, I'm as far as fetish, I think it's because not just when clinicians discover it, like when it's first discovered in media, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, sure. I mean, that's what I kind of was going after. that's so okay. I agree with your, uh, uh, not to interrupt, I agree with your subject totally and wholeheartedly. I agree with what you mean in mental health. Of course, in its infancy, but depending on when, no fart fish was first put in the media that means that we could very well either still be in the infancy of it or we could still be like discovering more about it i think the earliest example we had and i only learned this because of a school one time i think the earliest example was in um a shakespeare book i'm not sure which one though
0: Okay. I, I hadn't heard, I hadn't heard on Shakespeare. Uh, I know there's a couple in like, uh, well, I I go back to Stephen King. Stephen King had a, had a, uh, experience in his, in his childhood with his babysitter that I, that's actually on my proctophilia.org website. I don't know if he has a fetish, but he's definitely talked about an experience for sure. James Joyce's letters comes up, uh, as, as a example. I think was it? I think Benjamin one of the founding fathers, I wanna say it's Benjamin Franklin, uh wrote about farting to uh the Naval Academy, oddly enough. Um not I don't think in a sexual context he was just like a celebration of farting, oddly enough. So yeah, it's it is it is interesting how far the history can go back.
1: Yeah, and for very few people who still think Maybe it's not acceptable, which it should be. I feel like you know, like it should be acceptable to be with or be a part of.
0: Absolutely. What's what's something you'd uh, like to see within the fart fetish community? If you if you had a like magic wand or you could do anything at all, what what would that be? Honestly,
1: I'd like to say more acceptance of people and those who like it in general. I really do want to like maybe. I've been thinking about making like a film about it. Like this just came into mind recently. Like when you did bring up that um uh, the post on fat life, you know, where you said that you wanted to bring more awareness to the fetish in general. Yeah, I said to myself, the only way that we can really, you know, be more, where the world can be more accepting, is maybe make a film about it. That's more, not like a, you know, like a porn film or anything. Maybe a film that touches base upon the subject and kind of brings that awareness to it. I guess. I mean, that's one of the ways I can see it. Other than that, I, I really, honestly, would like to see more acceptance in general.
0: For sure, uh, if you if you ever uh, work on a on a on a film like that, definitely definitely hit me up. It, whether it be to be in it or or just to help out or advise or whatever, um, definitely hit me up because that would be uh, that would be cool. And I think it would be an important step towards towards broader acceptance. I've I've had the. The thought to do that for a while but i've never come up with like a a, a scenario or or a way i wanted to to see it done the the, the closest thing i've seen to a um more serious take and it, it wasn't far fetish it was just face sitting a music video for a blonde redhead song and it actually he said he was inspired by ah god i'm gonna fuck up the name it's uh uh haru hara Quara, the the, the Namio, the guy who does the large large butted Asian women uh, drawings in very dominated dominating settings. So so that's that's who uh, inspired him to make, uh, or that's the art that inspired him to make this music video. And it actually features some some pretty heavy face sitting, a little bit of uh like uh yeah I, I guess it's called horseplay. I don't know when someone rides on someone's back. I'm not sure what that's called, but but yeah, it features fetish. Um, themes, including face sitting, in what I'm assuming is a dungeon. Like they filmed it at a uh, at a kink dungeon. But yeah, it, when I watched it the first time, I'm like, this. I'm uncomfortable because I, f- again, I felt seen. I felt like, oh fuck. But I think that's helpful. I don't. I don't know if that you know r- rose any awareness to anyone. But um, I think it's important regardless. And and if it's something you're passionate about, it. I don't think it matters, I think it just doing it and putting it out there is just part of the creative juice you know it's 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 what it's what we do, I think as creatives uh we we try to push boundaries and see new new material, try something new that hasn't been done before anyway so to sort wrap up on that yeah if you if you go forward on that please please hit me up and and maybe we can figure it figure that out I definitely will of course <laughs> I will of course. Sweet. Um, my, my final question before, before we close out is, uh, uh, and you kind of already answered this, but what do you think we can do to, to keep growing and building this, uh, this kind of serious, more, more conversational sect of the firefish community?
1: Of course, the uh, film idea is one of them, of course. I think the best idea I have right now is kind of like, you know, openly admitting it. And I know that doesn't sound like... I know that sounds like kind of the reverse psychology of it, you know, what we're talking about, like how you know we're afraid to talk about it, afraid to give our feelings on it, you know? Yeah. There's an analogy that I live by, all I'm going to say, a quote, and this is from honestly a superhero film, but I think it's very well known, it's, um, all it takes is a little push, so if you have somebody who, you know, like, like me maybe, who can go out, out there, maybe wherever, YouTube, uh, Facebook, even Twitter, Instagram, and just say, hey, I really like this subject, then maybe that will convince others to step forward, you know, because if you have one person willing to take that steps, then others may surely follow.
0: It's a very good point. And, and I think that's a great um, closing comment. I, I can't think of a, a better way to end with, with a kind of a hopeful message. So uh, I, I'm going to leave it there. I, but I, I, really appreciate you coming on and giving us your perspective today on, on and, and a bit about your life. I, I think, uh, I mean, I, I had fun getting to know you a little bit and, and I'd love to have you uh, back on again sometime. We can, we can talk more. Of
1: course. I, I very much like that. And thank you so much for inviting me. I, I very much appreciate it. And yeah, I really would, you know, like to be on again someday and maybe even work on that film like we talked about, you know,
0: I love it. I love it, Xander. Thank you. Thank you again. And, uh, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see you next time. See hey, everybody.